0: In 2020, events have again shone a light on inequalities across the globe, and Australia is not an exception. Twenty years on from the reconciliation walks of the year 2000, this nation's journey towards more just, equitable and reconciled identity still has a long way to go. With that in mind and in the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community – We pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Welcome to Policy Forum Pod, the podcast for those who want to dig a little deeper into the policy challenges facing Australia and its region. I'm Artie Betagheri, and I'm your guest presenter for this episode in our Making the Invisible Visible bonus series. Policy Forum Pod is based at policyforum.net at Crawford School of Public Policy. Located at close to the heart of Australian politics and policy making, there really isn't a better place to get your postgraduate qualification. From economics to environmental management, we cover a broad range of policy topics and provide you with the skills needed to take up leadership positions in your area. Take your first step now. Check out your study options at crawford.anu.edu.au slash study. We're excited to welcome you here. In this special bonus series, we're exploring work done by researchers from Crawford School over the past 12 years on an ambitious project to redefine how poverty is measured, taking an innovative, rights-based and people-centred approach. This has been collaborative research, and the past four years were a partnership between ANU and the International Women's Development Agency, with funding from the Australian Government through the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Using a new approach known as the Individual Deprivation Measure during its development and now renamed as the Individual Measure of Multidimensional Poverty, the project didn't just assess how many people are poor, but rather how they experience poverty. In measuring deprivation across 15 dimensions, the results have revealed some incisive and in-depth information about patterns of poverty. In this Making the Invisible Visible series we'll be shedding light on the issue of poverty by breaking down the figures provided by this new measure getting behind the data and seeing how it can help policymakers better direct resources. South Africa is a country of deep contrasts progressive and outward looking yet with a deep socio-economic divide. Poverty in South Africa has historical roots, with the prospects of the vast majority of the population curtailed by the policies of apartheid, in particular the Bantu Education Act, which was only repealed in 1980. Helen Such is a Senior Research Fellow at the ANU's Crawford School. She used the IDM to look at multidimensional poverty in South Africa. Welcome, Helen. Thanks. Helen, can you paint a picture for me of poverty in South Africa? Who is experiencing it and how?
1: So as you say, poverty has strong historical roots in South Africa, Uh, and since the first democratic elections in 1994, there's been a lot of efforts to combat poverty. It is classified as a middle-income country, but it's been really struggling with low economic growth and high unemployment for many years, and it's now one of the most unequal countries in the world. How was the research conducted and what were your goals? So the goals for the South African Country Study were similar to those for each of the other studies undertaken, basically to increase the understanding of how deprivation is experienced at the individual level and to generate data and evidence uh, for use in the design of policies and programs designed to reduce poverty. So the data collection was done in 2019, conducted by our South African partners, IKAPA Data. And in the, in the study, we had two parts. The first was a national level uh, sample uh, in which we collected data on more than 8,600 individuals. We also did a purposive sample, which was restricted to the Gauteng and Limpopo provinces, in which people with disabilities were identified first and asked to participate along with their household members. This sample has uh, twenty three hundred individuals, with more than a thousand who are classified as having a disability. What were your main findings here? So, as part of the IDM, we measure deprivation across fourteen different dimensions, and we categorise those into four categories of deprivation. Uh, for many of the dimensions that we measure, but not all of them, uh, the pattern of deprivation is that the largest proportion of the sample fall into the least deprived category, and the smallest proportion into the most deprived category. We have a wealth of data available, so obviously there's not time to go into too many details, but let me highlight a couple of things. The first two are especially pertinent now, given the COVID-19 pandemic, but also beyond that. The first is the high level of food insecurity, with just over 30% of the whole sample being severely food insecure. That means they're going whole days without food, or not eating when they're hungry because they aren't able to access food. So this, as you can imagine, has significant impacts on education and learning, on productivity at work, on health, and on many other things. And while the deprivation is high, it's also likely to have worsened as a result of the lockdowns, especially for the poorest. The second I'd like to mention is that overall, around 40% of individuals did not have access to basic hand-washing facilities with water and soap in their homes. In rural areas, this was 60%. So this obviously has significant hygiene impacts, even in the absence of COVID-19. Helen, what was the experience of collating this data like? As I mentioned, our colleagues, IKAPA Data, did the data collection for us, but they sent teams uh, all across the country, across the nine provinces They were selected um, because we were implementing the survey in 11 of the official languages of South Africa. So the team that were doing the data collection had all been selected based on their ability to speak the relevant languages into the areas that they were going. Some of them went to really very remote places on the border between Botswana and South Africa. Others of them were in some of the more densely uh, settled places. urban areas of Durban, uh, Johannesburg, Cape Town and the like. Is, Is it common to have
0: a sample size so large and to be able to offer the data that that yields?
1: Uh, for individual level samples, I would say no, it's, it's not been done often. Uh, and we were also lucky to have a relatively large sample size in Indonesia. However, in South Africa, they have several very large surveys, which include tens of thousands of households. So for South Africa, it's a little bit less unusual. But the IDM is one of the first times that we collect uh, such varied information about so so many dimensions of deprivation at the individual rather than at the household level. So really this is the first time that we have such data available for individuals. Thinking back to the findings, was there anything particularly unusual or surprising about what you found? So for the IDM we measured deprivation across 14 different dimensions and allocate people into four different categories of deprivation, according to severity. For most of the dimensions that we measure, though there are differences in the numbers, the highest proportion of the sample is classified as least deprived, and the smallest proportion is classified as most deprived. But in the voice dimension, we found in South Africa a really unusual pattern, with the results being driven by those for the, what we call the voice in the public domain theme. And this includes indicators on voting, on participation in decision making, and on perceptions of raising concerns. For this theme, only 7% of the whole sample are classified as least deprived. And this indicates really rather Widespread disengagement from decision making processes that affect people's lives. And in some cases, it also indicates exclusion from these processes. And the problems faced by the youth in this theme are the worst. 90% of 16 to 24 year olds are in the most deprived category for this theme. It's not much better if you're slightly older. But it's still 68% for 25 to 64-year-olds and 61% for 65-plus-year-olds. I presume by voice, uh, a
0: big part of that is access to voting. I mean, South Africa does remain a pretty politicised country. Are there any issues around particularly access to voting
1: by poverty-affected people? Indeed, So we measure whether people are able to vote free and fairly, but we also look at whether they choose not to vote. Uh, And once again, for the youth, the decision to not vote um, is indicating a really strong disengagement or exclusion from participation in those kinds of fora. These are people who are making decisions on their behalf, but they've chosen not to participate in that because they feel they can't influence the outcomes. For the youth, that's really strong. And again, it's, it's in marked contrast to the older voters who spent a long time during the apartheid era fighting for the right to vote.
0: Thinking back to education, is access to education still an issue in South Africa?
1: So education is a somewhat more positive note. Within the dimension that we measure on education, we incorporate elements of both education levels, as in what level of schooling has been completed, but we also have a really basic measure of financial literacy and numeracy. So overall, there are still concerns with the education dimension. Only around half of the whole sample is categorised as least deprived, so not having deprivations in functional literacy and numeracy, and having been able to access probably secondary schooling, if not better. But looking across the age groups shows really very stark differences. For the whole dimension, uh, 59% of those who are 65 and plus are most deprived, so having barely any schooling and likely to be functionally illiterate and enumerate. But this drop figure drops to 20% for those aged between 25 and 64, and the figure for those between 16 and 24 is just 8%, so seven times less than for the older age group.
0: What are your hopes around how this data will be used?
1: As I mentioned before, I think we have a, an extraordinary wealth of data that gives us an understanding of deprivation levels, for sure, overall, but also has the potential to help us to understand much better how the different dimensions and the different themes are interacting with each other. I really believe that this uh, provides a, an enormous amount of evidence that can be used to to design policies and programs for poverty reduction. Um, With some more analysis, it can also be used to help target particular social groups facing particular profiles of deprivation. We see that as one of the biggest potentials.
0: South Africa has a very particular profile when it comes to poverty, as you mentioned. There's a growing middle class, it's a middle-income country, but one with deep deprivation in many quarters as well. How could the data collated in South Africa be harnessed and extrapolated out to apply to other countries and other contexts?
1: Well, I think the IDM as a measure itself can has been designed in order to be appropriately used in other countries and other contexts and at different levels. As I mentioned before, in South Africa, we had the fortune to be able to do a national level study in Indonesia, a district level study. So it's it's flexible in that respect. Uh, I think the data for South Africa is s- specific to context, but the measure itself, the survey tools and the way the results are analysed are widely applicable in low-income and middle-income countries.
0: You've collected quite a lot of data here. Drilling down a bit deeper into the findings, can you maybe uh, outline for me a few of the main differences you found, for example, rural versus urban? male versus female.
1: Certainly. Um, th- we've been able to give only the most brief of introductions in this podcast, uh, but we do have, a, as I say, a wealth of other information. With respect to gender differences overall, the differences um, on average, women are somewhat more deprived than men, uh, and they have different patterns of deprivation to men. If we're looking at disability, as, as we discussed in more detail in the podcast on disability, people with disabilities are much more likely to be deprived and more deeply deprived than those without disabilities. If we look at the rural and urban comparisons, rural residents are, on average, more likely to be, to be deprived than their urban counterparts. And the last main analysis that we did was with respect to age, so if we're looking at the overall IDM score, there's not too much difference between the two older groups, though their patterns of deprivation is are different in, in that they're facing deprivations in different dimensions. But the youth tend to be, on average, less likely to be deprived than the two older groups do.
0: Thanks very much, Helen. That was Helen Such, South Africa researcher on the IDM project. If you want to find out more about the research we've discussed today, you can visit immp.crawford.anu.edu. Listeners, we're really keen to hear what you think about today's episode in our Making the Invisible Visible special series. You can reach us via Twitter at appspolicyforum or send us an email at podcast at policyforum.net. You can also reach out to the Individual Measure of Multidimensional Poverty team directly on Twitter at Research Poverty. We hope you've enjoyed today's bonus episode. If you have, make sure you subscribe to Policy Forum Pod. We're on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you normally get your favourite shows from. And while you're at it, if you want to show your support, you can leave us a review on your favourite podcast platform. Your regular episode of Policy Forum Pod will be out on Friday and I'll be back with you next week for another episode in our special bonus series. So until next time, from me, Archie Gary, thanks for joining us.